I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of you. We had dad jokes breaking out on the, uh, at the entry to the church. If you missed that sign, I texted it to my kids this morning and said that dad humor is still alive and well. So yesterday was Lisa's birthday, so remember to wish her a happy birthday. Hey, how would you uh, evaluate if a church was successful? All of the apostles followed Jesus for their life, and the last apostle, the last apostle living was John, the one whom Jesus loved. You know how John evaluated whether the church that he and the other apostles had begun was successful? He said this, I have no greater joy than this, than to see my children walking in the truth. You know, I get so excited about seeing all the ways that Good News Church is seeking to make a difference in the next generation. You know what real success is? Real success for us is if when we look back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, our children and our children's children are walking in the truth. Let's pray for that. Will you join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, at great expense to yourself, you have made it possible for your church from generation to generation to generation to go on proclaiming the truth of the gospel. You've preserved your church through many, many toils, through many days of darkness. You have preserved your people, and we give you thanks. Lord, would you make it possible that in this corner of your good earth, you would raise up a generation of kids and students who desire to make you known to the nations. Lord, would you provide the leaders that Clint and Lisa and the, the Wildwood campus needs to impact the next generation for Jesus. And Lord, may we be about impacting the next generation for Jesus. Lord, may we see students excited about passing their faith on to their peers. May we see students love Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we conclude this study in the book of Malachi, that you'd remind us that we don't have forever, but that the best is yet to come. Lord, we desire to exalt you. We pray that that would happen through the teaching this morning, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, grab your Bible and turn to Malachi chapter 4, and we're going to finish up our study in the book of Malachi with the uh, Malachi 4. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. We'll read the whole chapter. And, and listen, as I read it, follow along in your copies of the Scripture or on the screen. And, and let's pay attention because this is God's Word to us. It's inspired, inerrant, infallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. 
For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Oreb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Imagine that two groups of adventurers left the East Coast of the United States at the same time, and they, in the early days of this country, were, gonna, were going to adventure across the entire country from East to West. As they traveled, the two groups of adventurers were separated, and in one group, The captain of that group every morning would wake up and he would remind the people in that group of adventurers, he would remind them of of how good their families had it back home. He would tell them about how comfortable their beds were back in Boston. He would tell them about all the teas that they were able to enjoy back home on the coast. He would remind them of, of all the food that they were eating back home. On the east. In the other group, the other group, the captain would wake up every morning and he would tell his men, Men, we are bound for a distant country and it is beautiful. It is glorious. It may be hard today, but where we're going, you can't even imagine it. It has elk as thick as you could ever imagine. There are deer and antelope and bison. You can't imagine the food we're going to eat when we arrive at where we're going. There are mountain streams and gorgeous waterfalls. You can't imagine where we're headed. Now, which group do you think will arrive safely at their destination? The group that looks back every morning to the comfort they left behind? Or the group that looks ahead with hope to the place they're going? Of course, it's the group that looks ahead to the place where they're going. And if we're to make disciples who can make disciples, who can make disciples until Jesus comes again, we need to have hope that the best is yet to come. We need to fill up our lives with hope. Hope is one of the sustaining questions, the answer to to 
one of the most important questions that any of us ask ourselves is the question is this where am I going where am I going you can't imagine what Jesus Christ has in store for you who have believed in his name you can't imagine what he has secured for you who have believed in his name we live in a world that always wants to call us back, call us back. And as followers of Jesus, we keep looking to him. We keep looking to Jesus Christ, our captain, and he keeps calling us forward, calling us forward toward the land of promise that he has secured for us. Jesus Christ says, I am coming. I'm coming. I've come once and I'm coming again. Jesus Christ promises in his word both the Old Testament and the New Testament both end with the promise, I am coming. Jesus Christ, our captain, promises to come again and give us everything that we could ever hope for, everything that we could ever imagine. Jesus is coming. Now we're going to answer three questions this morning. When is he coming? How is he coming? And so what? When is he coming? How is he coming? And so what? The return of Jesus Christ is a major doctrine in the scriptures. In the New Testament, it's mentioned over 300 times. So if you were to evenly space out all the references to Christ's return in the New Testament, it would be once every 13 verses. Once every 13 verses, we're reminded that Jesus is coming. I want you to know that when Jesus coming is coming is one of the key truths about his return. So let me tell you when he's coming, you may want to grab a pen. In the Bible, there's only two days. There's today and there's the day. And one day, today will be the day. There's only two days that matter. Today and the day. You saw in verse 1, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Jesus is coming again on the day, the day, the next major event in the history of salvation is the day of the Lord, when Christ will recome and judge the earth and establish the final state of things. When is he coming? He's coming on the day. And his return is always near. Look at Revelation chapter 22. Let me read for you verses 7 and 12 and 20 from Revelation 22. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. 
Verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In Revelation 22, we're told three times that Jesus is coming quickly. And the word quickly comes from the Greek word takos, which means speedily or soon. You have a tachometer in your car. The tachometer in your car tells you how many revolutions per minute the engine is causing the axle axles in your car to spin, the drivetrain in your car to spin. I could have gotten that slightly wrong, but I'm not a mechanic, okay? I'm a pastor, and I'm barely that. Okay, so um, this tachometer tells you how quickly your engine is spinning. Jesus Christ's return is closer today than it's ever been. We are closer to the day, today, than any other day in the history of the world. And everything in the history of the world is moving quickly, speedily. It is accelerating towards the day. Today is closer than ever before to the day, the day. And... No one knows the exact time when the day will occur. In Matthew 24, in verses 36 and 42 and 44, we read this. But the day and the hour, no one knows, not in the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Therefore, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. His coming will be on the day, and none of us knows the exact day when that will happen. So Jesus, in one of his teachings about his glorious return says, be ready, be prepared, be on the alert, expect that today could be the day. It's coming quickly. He is coming back soon. And when he comes, how will he come? How will he come? He will come back gloriously, triumphantly, personally and visibly, gloriously, triumphantly, personally and visibly. His coming will be glorious, triumphant, personal and visible. Now, when I was a little kid, I grew up in St. Pete over on the west coast of Florida. And when I was a kid, back when dinosaurs roamed the planet, when I was a kid, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus came to town. Did you know that it's Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus? Did you know that? 
the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus would come to town every year and they would perform for a week at the arena in St. Petersburg. And when they came to town, they would arrive on a train. It was the coolest thing. They would arrive on a train and all the animals and all the people would get off the train and they would have a parade into the city of St. Petersburg from the train station to the arena where they would perform. And the clowns would march by and the, the acrobats would march by. And then the elephants, the elephants would march by. And when the elephants marched by, everyone knew it because they were the biggest animal in the parade. And they were the stinkiest animals too. When the elephants came, everyone knew. And when Jesus Christ comes, everyone will know. His return will be glorious. His return will be triumphant. His return will be personal. His return will be visible. Everyone will know. It'll be glorious. He's coming with a furnace. He's coming with heat. He's coming with glory. He's coming to judge the earth and establish the final state of things. The day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chafed, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze. Jesus Christ came once in humility. Jesus Christ came once quietly, born in a manger in the smallest town in his community, Born in an unsuspecting place to an unsuspecting person, Jesus Christ came once quietly. He's coming again gloriously. And everyone will know. His coming will be glorious. For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. His return will be glorious. Like the sun rising in the east. A sun of righteousness that brings healing to the nations. His return will be victorious. Overcoming all of his enemies. Verse 3, you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. It's his day. It's his day. It's the day of the Lord. And on his day, he will have victory over all of his enemies. C.S. Lewis, many years ago, said there's only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God will one day say, thy will be done. If you live as his enemy now, one day, you'll get just what you want. 
You'll get to live away from his presence. You'll get to live away from him forever. But if you'll humble yourself now under King Jesus, he says, you can live with me forever. And when I'm victorious, you're victorious. When I win, you'll win. And knowing that your victory is sure and certain in the future can sustain you through the hardest moments of life. A few weeks ago, I was sitting at home and I I had my tablet, so I was on YouTube. I said, you know, I'm going to watch the last two minutes of the Carolina-Duke game in the Final Four. I turned it on. And when I turned on the game, the last three minutes, did you know Duke was winning? (laughs) Duke was winning, but I wasn't upset because I knew. I knew that Caleb Love's three from the top of the circle was coming, and I knew we were going to win. And sure enough, we did. He He made the shot again on YouTube. He made it again. I rewound it, and he made it again. And I rewound it, and he made it again. And Coach K was sitting on that same bench, losing again. We win. That will sustain you through the hardest times if you'll make it yours. If you'll take it into the center of your heart and life, if you'll make his return your glory, his return your victory, don't set up glory and victory in anything other than Jesus. Because if you set up glory and victory in anything other than Jesus, when he returns, you'll get what you want. You'll get the glory you've been living for. And it'll go under the soles of the feet of his people. But if you put your hope in the glory and victory of Jesus now, his glory and victory then will be, will be your glory and victory. It's personal. Acts 1.11 Acts 1.11, when Jesus ascended to the Father from where he will come, the angels said to the men who had followed Jesus, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Note that, this Jesus It's not a different Jesus. The same Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you on the cross, the same Jesus whom you have supped with and dined with as you've had him come into the center of your life, the same Jesus that you pray to every single morning as you open scripture and spend time with him, that same Jesus is coming again. The one whom your soul is falling more and more in love with every single day is the one who is coming for you. The same Jesus. And he's coming in the same way. Visibly. Personally and visibly. 
Revelation 1-7, Behold, he's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. He's coming gloriously, victoriously, personally, and visibly. That's how he's coming. When is he coming? Soon. Now, so what? So what? What do we do with this? What do we do with this? First, we should be prepared. We should be prepared. Our action step for this week and for the rest of your life is to be prepared for Jesus coming. Now, many years ago, I was a part of a sort of caravan of people. We were driving from Charlotte, North Carolina to San Francisco, California. And we, as we drove across the country in this caravan of vehicles, um, in the middle of the night, we pulled over at a truck stop in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and we all went inside um, to get, you know, soda and donuts. And, and when everyone had come out of the place, everybody left. And when I came out of the place, everyone had left. And so here I am at this truck stop at two o'clock in the morning, no cell phone, no way to contact the people in my caravan. And here I am. So I waited for several hours for them to realize that I wasn't in the caravan and to come back come back and get me at the truck stop, which they did. I'm standing here today. You know what never happened again? I was never the last one out of the bathroom at the truck stop the rest of the trip. I was prepared the rest of that trip. We don't know when Jesus is coming, so we should be prepared for his coming at any time. The amount of preparation that you put into any event should be in direct proportion to the certainty of that event. Let me say that again. The amount of preparation that you put into any event should be in direct proportion to the certainty of that event. Now, I have read to you a dozen verses this morning that speak to the certainty of Christ's return. That means that we should be prepared because his return is certain. How do we prepare for the certainty of his return? We prepare by believing the good news of our coming king. We, re- we prepare by, being, by trusting in the gospel, by believing in Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the good news of the king. But the gospel that tells us good news about the king and his work has bad news about us. And the bad news of the gospel is that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. In verse 4, the writer of uh, the, Malachi says this, Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Oreb for all Israel. That God's law, 
to Moses, established for Israel and for everyone everywhere the moral law of God, what it means to be holy. And none of us, not for one day, have ever kept the law of God. We've all sinned against God in thought, in word, in deed, or we've left undone what the law demands of us. We've all sinned against God and we're in big trouble because not only have we broken his commands, in breaking his commands, we've broken his heart. Because the one we've sinned against is our creator. The one we've sinned against, we owe him everything. Life and breath and being all comes from him. And when we've, when we've broken his laws, we've broken his heart. But God, at great expense to himself, doesn't leave us in verse 4 of Malachi 4, but he has done for us what Malachi 5 and 6 promised he would do. I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. What God promised he would do, he has done. Elijah has come. The New Testament tells us that the Elijah who would come has come, and his name was John the Baptist. And he said, prepare the way of the Lord. And so the Lord has come, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the full adoptions of sons. Jesus Christ has come once to redeem us to restore us, to reconcile us, to bring restoration of relationship between us and the Father. He has done it by his life and his death and his resurrection. He did it for us by becoming a curse for us. So that we wouldn't experience the curse, Jesus was cursed in our place. So that we could be brought back to the Father, Jesus was cut off from the Father. And so on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't for his disobedience that he was forsaken. It was because of his obedience that he was forsaken. Because of his willingness to go to the cross and on the cross have our disobedience, our sin laid on him. And when on the cross, God took our sin and put it on Jesus, he punished him in our place. And through that punishment, we who put our trust in Jesus are brought back into an eternal forever relationship with him. So that when we trust in Christ, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus Christ reconciles us to the Father. Have you received him? If you haven't received him, won't you? And if you have, 
If you have the test, a test that you can tell if a person has received him is whether or not his return is becoming more and more your greatest hope. Is that true for you? Listen, if Jesus Christ's return is becoming more and more your greatest hope, if you've received him as Savior and Lord, then three things are now true of you. Life now is good. Life at your death will be better, but the best is yet to come. Let's play it back. Your life now is good. Jesus Christ said, Father, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Life now is good because we have Jesus. Is everything in life good? No. We live in a, in a world now with hurricanes and cancer and mosquitoes and sand spurs. But we have Jesus. And through Jesus, we've come to know the living and true God. Now, life is good with Jesus. At our death, it's better. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. When Christ returns, the curse, the curse on this creation will be taken away. The curse on the creation will be taken away. And we will live with Jesus forever on a perfect world. Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And he who... Okay, that's verse 6. We'll start there for, stop there for a second. Dear, dear friends. No diagnosis. No forecast. No stock market turn. No subtweet. No comment on your social media feed. No bully. 
no insecurity, no despair, no depression can shake you from the hands of Jesus. And the one who is coming is coming to restore everything. Look to him. Make his return your hope. It's one thing to know of his return. It's another thing to know him who is returning. Do you know him who is returning? Do you know the one who is coming in glory, triumphantly, personally, visibly? Have you taken him into the center of your life? If you have. A.W. Tozier many years ago said this, it is precisely the yearning and fainting for the return of Christ that has distinguished the personal hope from the theological one. Mere acquaintance with correct doctrine is a poor substitute for Christ. And familiarity with New Testament eschatology will never take the place of a love-inflamed desire to look on his face. Revelation 22.20, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am quickly. I am coming quickly. May we, with love-inflamed desire, say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you alone know the day. But our hearts and the heart of your Son and the heart of your Holy Spirit cry, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And we come to you, Father, asking that you would bring to an end the history that you are writing so that on the day of your choosing, you would send from glory our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. If the day of his appearing is not the hope of your heart, then won't you invite him in? Won't you invite him into the center of your life now? Won't you say to him, Jesus, I admit, by the law and standard of holiness, I have come short of the glory of God. I've sinned against you in many ways. I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Jesus, help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, would you, by your grace, would you sustain us? Disciples, followers of Jesus, through downturns and diagnoses, and devastation, 
Would you sustain us? Would you bring to our hearts and minds the glory of the coming return of Jesus? This week, I pray in your name. Amen. Y'all stand. Let me send you out with this from the word of God. Revelation 22, the very last verse in the Bible, right after the one I just read, says this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Go in grace.